scripture reading is a very familiar story to us. We find Jesus speaking to his disciples and a larger crowd and this is what happens. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus further, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan while traveling came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on him. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. How many times have we heard this story? Lord, we've heard it our entire lives, many of us. Whether we grew up in the church or not, we've heard this story. We know this story. It's kind of part of the vernacular of our world. And yet perhaps it is saying something to us that we've missed. One of the challenges when we get used to hearing a story is we think we know what it's saying to us. Perhaps there's something more to it than we realize. Bless us with that possibility, we pray that we might see what's going on here in a new way and walk out into the world with new eyes. In Christ we pray. Amen. So today is the last Sunday in our stewardship campaign for next year, and all the people said, <laughs> for, two weeks, for the last couple of weeks we've been walking through the new mission statement of the church as our theme for stewardship for 2020 alongside the telling of the story of the woman at the well and now this story. There are two stories that the session of our church, the leaders of our church have lifted up as examples of what they believe is the uniqueness of Canyon Creek Presbyterian Church and so those stories 
above all else rose to the top. So I'd like to take this last line, last bullet point actually, um, in the mission statement that says pray together, play together, serve together. And if you don't, if it's not obvious to you in the way it's formatted, I don't want to focus on the words that are different in this last line. I actually want to focus on the word that is the same, together. Together is the focus of this last one. We do things together. If you were to sum up the entire mission statement of this church into one line, we do, we, is the word together would be a good one. We learn Christ together. We follow Christ together. We play together. We don't just pray. We pray together. We don't just serve. We serve together. We are together. Together is the whole deal. It's what makes us community. I mean, if we don't do these things together, then, then really why do them in the first place? If we don't have faith together, then What's the point of having faith at all? I would go so far as to say that it's really tough to have any faith in isolation, apart. Because the very nature of the Word invites us to place our trust in that which is beyond ourselves. To have faith is to be in relationship. To have faith is to be together. Which brings us to the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, when we read that story, we often focus on the actions that are in it, what they're doing. That's what we tend to focus on, right? We walk away from it, and having focused on all of that, we slice it out all kinds of ways. We have pulled this story apart in just about every way you possibly can. We read it, and we say, well, I'm obviously supposed to be like the Samaritan, and do good things to, for other people, to help, to be kind. That's the moral of the story. Or we say, how often are we the passers-by who come upon someone in need and either don't see them or when we see them we say, what? Too busy, I'm so busy. Someone else come, come along and help them. Sometimes we even say, we're the ones in the ditch. And Jesus is the good Samaritan who would never pass by without reaching down and lifting us up from whatever place in life we find ourselves. Those are all powerful ways to read the story, no doubt. We focus, though, on the actions. And I'm wondering, what if by focusing on the actions we're actually missing the point of the parable altogether? What if instead of just simply calling us to be more kind that there's another point the parable is trying to make completely? Scholars have been asking that question for a while. They start off by talking about how this parable has become so mainstream now, I mean, it's just understood, you know, and we call a good Samaritan anybody who helps someone else in a time of need. And there was a good Samaritan. There are good Samaritan laws. We just assume that that's what the parable is talking about. Do good. Be kind. And then they ask, the, the scholars who've looked at it and kind of wrestled with it more in recent years, 
Is that really what Jesus is trying to get at with, with this story? Is the main point that Jesus is trying to make is simply be kind? I mean, it's not a bad one. The world could always use more kindness. Is that what he's always trying to do? Is just to get us to be kind to one another? To have a story that when we don't help out helps us to feel that much more guilty? Is that the point? You know, if that were the point, if the whole thing were just a, a good remember to be kind story, then why in the world does Jesus go into all this detail about the people that are passing by? Now, rightly, we assume that the one in the ditch is of Jewish descent, right? He's talking to a Jewish group, so he doesn't have to qualify this person. But why the rest of them? A Levite, a priest, and then of all things, a Samaritan. Why would he go to such lengths? I mean, if the point were simply to be kind, then why even say anything about the people at all? Just random folks, you know. This guy was walking and got, fell into robbers and fell into the... And one person passed by, another person did pass by, and the third person helped. Which one should you be? I guess I should be the third person. Right, go and do that. That would be more the story, right? But he doesn't do that. He takes his time to make sure that we know that the one who helped is none other than a Samaritan. Now, to us, that may not mean much. But to the Jewish folk who were listening to Jesus speak, that was about the most offensive thing he could have said. To them, at that time, Samaritans were something more like a lower life form. Quite often, Samaria was the shortest route between where they lived in Jerusalem, but they would take days on end to go around Samaria just to avoid it altogether. They did not even deal with them. We don't deal with those folks. They're not us. They're not us. They're the other. They'd take all kinds of time to avoid Samaria, which is what makes the woman at the well story so unique. You find Jesus and his disciples going right through the place where no one dare to tread. And here he mentions that the one who helps is none other than the one who they despise the most. What I'm getting at is that there is a higher calling in this parable than to simply be kind. As tough as being kind can be, what it gets at is the root of how we view others, how we look at this world. I don't know if you caught it, but right at the end of the story when Jesus asked the lawyer who was the one who was the neighbor to the one in the side of the road, the lawyer can't say it. He can't say it was a Samaritan. He's so offended. The best he can do is simply say, the one who showed him mercy, you can almost see him gritting his teeth as he does it. We carry so many assumptions about others with us. I think the great calling of this parable is to convict us in that and to challenge us to move beyond it. I'll never forget 
when I was in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, in church I served before coming here, one of the programs we began there in town, we were a downtown church, the city came to us with this idea, and they said, we want to put two groups of people in town together, those on this side of the railroad tracks and those on the other side. Now, every small town's got railroad tracks, and we all know what that means. So we said, all right, let's give it a shot. Let's see what God does with this was kind of our line and our understanding and hope. Even and we sat these people down, and I knew a lot of them, and we had a lot of the wealthy folks in town, a lot of the poorest folks in town, and we began conversations. The idea was to build bridges and understanding between one another. I guess what happened? After about six weeks, we partnered them individually so that they wouldn't just talk about things. They'd talk about their life, what they do, how they live. After about six weeks... One of the more wealthy folks in town came up to me and said, I want to tell you what's happened. When I walked into this group, I had in my mind that those who were on the poor side of town were just lazy. Just get a job was kind of the way I thought about them. They just get a job, they'd be fine. And you know what I've learned? I have met one of the most hardworking, dedicated people I've ever seen in my entire life. Quite frankly, if I was in her shoes, I would not have made it. And I want to help. Not because I see them as somebody else, but because I see myself in them. The lawyer couldn't say the word Samaritan. The question is, can we? Underlying this entire parable is the assumption that there is a oneness that transcends all of the ways in which we separate ourselves from one another. That there is a oneness that is given to us from God. After all, we're not made in many images. We're made in God's image. How much work is it for us to actually see that as the reality? That we don't just sit around, but we sit around together. We don't just pray, we pray together, we play together, we serve together. It's part of the mission of this church. Now the more we do that, the more we are together, the more we might just be able to look out at our world without judgment. The more we might be able to see other people through the eyes of Jesus Christ. It's my hope that that mission finds its way into your heart and into your life as we build relationships wherever we go. It's also my hope that you give to that mission with everything you've got. Take a look at our last stewardship video.
When you look at all of the mission activities, mission and outreach activities that Canyon Creek participates in, you really can look at them um, and divide them into about three different categories. We have those programs that work with people who are here locally and are like us. We have programs that are here locally and they force us to work with people who are not like us. And then we have our programs like Villages and Partnership that um, work with people who are very far away and who are, of course are, are different uh, than we are and have different customs. This congregation is beyond generous and is so good at helping people. Um, and when I talk about this, I'm talking about our groups like NAMI, AA, Auto, Austin Street, Hope Store, New Beginning Center, and a whole host of others. And so our work with Gateway of Grace is immensely important. Our Easter egg hunt is a huge success, and it has been the past several years. If you have noticed, the past couple of years, we are growing that program, and each year we get more and more people who are coming to our Easter egg hunt. Last year it was tight, financially, very tight. And so we need about $2,000 more to really make that a success this year and to really be able to accommodate all of the refugees and all of the community members that are planning on coming to that this next year. So just this last week, I was approached by a woman who needed help and your, your funding helped her get out of a bad situation. Our deacon care team got her on a Greyhound bus on Saturday and by that evening she was with her family uh, and back to safety. And so thank you. Discipleship on the go, you say? Is that what you say? Well, I'm actually comfortable staying right here, so I think I'll just stand here. I mean, it's a nice space, right? It is. It's beautiful. Look around. But what would it be like if we take what we do here in terms of education, spiritual formation, small group ministry, and took it beyond the walls. So the discipleship team is, is, is currently looking at discerning, investigating what discipleship on the go will look like next year. We're looking at taking what we do already really well here in terms of education and spiritual formation, and we're looking at making those same opportunities available to our neighbors in our community. So we're looking at real intentional ways of how to take what we do here out there. Out there is pretty cool too. I'd like to close today with a word about our amazing staff. Now I get to work with them every day of the week and let me tell you they are faithful, passionate, generous, and frankly just plain fun to be around. We would not be the church we are today without them. What I also want you to know is that they have not received a pay increase in the last two years, and it is time to change that. I want you to think about all that happens in the life of this church because of our wonderful staff, the ways they help us do ministry together. Think about it as you pick up your commitment card and put down a number for this year. Because we are a church on a new mission building relationships wherever we go, and we're asking for your financial support in 2020.